developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Lynn and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today visiting with us is my friend, Melanie Grunewald. Melanie is truly an amazing person as you'll quickly see her power, passion, and influencing abilities. Today we're gonna talk about Kabbalah. Before we get started though, let's learn a little bit about Melanie's impressive and adventurous life. Melanie Grunewald, is the executive director of Kabbalah Experience, and she brings over 25 years of nonprofit leadership and community organizing to her position. Engaged with senior citizens, families, college students, and teens, Melanie has extensive professional experience with communal leadership and Jewish education. Melanie is energized by building relationships, understanding people's needs, and finding ways to connect them to one another. She loves the balance of organizational leadership and teaching, which she engages in on a daily basis at Kabbalah Experience. Melanie earned her bachelor's of science in psychology uh, from Binghamton University, a SUNY school, and her master's in social work and certificate in Jewish communal service at Yeshiva University. Melanie's pursued additional Judaic and spiritual studies at the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies, the Conservative Yeshiva, and most recently, Kabbalah Experience. Melanie's married to Rabbi Solomon Grunewald, who's a senior rabbi at the Hebrew Educational Alliance in Denver, and she's mom to three children. So Melanie, welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. So let's just jump in and talk about Kabbalah. To start with, let me just have you share with the listeners, what is Kabbalah? We've all heard it in different terms and different people and Madonna and everybody, but explain to us, what is Kabbalah? As a basic definition, Kabbalah is the study of Jewish mysticism. So based in Jewish tradition, it's really an exploration of the spiritual aspects of Jewish learning and text and narrative in a way to connect um, with greater mindfulness to the world around us. The way we teach Kabbalah at Kabbalah Experience is we discuss it as a study of parallels, our parallels of seen and unseen reality, our physical and spiritual reality, how does the infinite create space for the finite to exist? And how does the finite, like our physical bodies, hold infinite light and energy and so on? So that's very um, mystical sounding. Let's start with the seeing and unseen reality. Explain that. And 
any examples and personal life experiences that you want to share in explaining uh, the terminology would really be uh, very helpful. So when we talk about the seen and unseen reality, we talk about what's in front of us and what's between us. So even if you and I are facing each other, there might be an energy or a sense of connection, a sense of knowing um, that happens in the in the liminal space between us. So sometimes things happen in our life. We might see it as a coincidence. We might see it as a synchronicity. We might see it as a miracle. There's energy between people and things that we don't necessarily understand. And what we explain is that if we live with the awareness of that unseen reality, the kinds of things that show up and make us say, huh, interesting, um, that's that's when we're living with a greater awareness and greater sense of connection. It's well, I'm sh- beyond our physical reality. Right. And I'm sure you've had many incidents of um, synchronicity. I know when I had health problems over 20 years ago and I started looking to how to heal and I didn't know how to heal. And that's when I really started connecting to more spiritual realms and and eventually fell into uh, Kabbalah experience, literally. But it was just a series of synchronicities. You know, for example, um, I didn't know how to get healthy. Medical systems had just done surgery on me and I became allergic to all foods and I didn't know where to start. And And I was reading the newspaper and saw this advertisement for needed subjects for irritable bowel syndrome, which is what I also had. And it was using, it was a study, a PhD study of using meditation for a chronic illness. And it was one of those things. I'm sitting at a table reading the newspaper when we used to have newspapers like that and saw this ad about something that I didn't even think about treatment for. And that started me down this whole long journey of finding people by just being aware and and being open, you know, how do we get to that kind of place? Because so often we drill down so detailed and so much of doing, how do we start finding our way into finding this seeing and unseen reality? For, For part of what I think about, it's paying attention to what shows up and paying attention to who shows up. Sometimes there are things in our lives that we think are mundane or just expected that are actually quite miraculous, like a seed growing into a tree and apples growing on that. We just assume the sun's going to come up each day. We assume the grass is going to turn green in in the spring. But what happens when we start to take notice of the bulbs blooming after the winter snow starts to dissipate? What what kind of miracle does it take for a seed to disintegrate and turn into a flower or a fruit on a tree. Even, you know, when I talk to students about what's a miracle, what do you see as a miracle? Often people say childbirth or they'll say something that's unexpected. But even I'd say the day-to-day moments, right, the fact that we can wake up, that our systems work, that our GI system is in order, that in and of itself is also a miracle. So it's a matter of taking pause and paying attention to everything that's happening around us. And that's beautiful, and, and, it, and it is about awareness. Um, and it's so interesting because in my field of vision therapy, um, 
awareness is what we're teaching. What looks different? Is it smaller, larger? How does it feel? What's it connected to? Who's there? And, and we're looking in, you know, this seeing world, but there's a whole awareness in within us. And, you know, I love you mentioned miracles because, you know, every day I have a, a call group at 8.30 in the morning where we talk about the miracles. What happened to each of us is a miracle every day. And it's the little simple things that we often don't even think of as miracles. We just pass over and don't even notice the miracles in our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's a whole different world way to see the world when you're looking at it through miracles as opposed to just looking for what's wrong and the negativities. Definitely. And I have my son, Kobe, had passed away six years ago. We just... Um, marked his the anniversary of his passing and I was talking with my other kids about how we feel connected to him um and I don't personally I don't feel like his body sitting next to me and us being in conversation but whenever a butterfly appears at a random moment or we're biking and all of a sudden there's this hailstorm or one of his songs comes on the radio in an unexpected moment for me that's that's that kind of connection, right? It's a wink. I'm um, saying, hey, I'm here, you know, I'm connecting. Um, and I think about if I didn't pay attention, I may not see that butterfly or think twice about a song that comes on. Um, but it's also a way of, of walking in the world with, with a sense of connection that there's more to life than what meets the eye. Thank you for sharing that. And again, my thoughts and prayers, I I follow you on social media and, and I, I know it's, uh, Kobe's yard side and and uh, I think of him and you uh, all the time and thank you for sharing your vulnerability on that and and when you talk about connection you just made me think of when when my mom had died and it's over 20 years ago I remember seeing the sky where there was light and there were it's just the way the clouds were it looked like rays of light going to heaven I mean that's my daughters and I just looked at the sky like, oh, my gosh, that's my mom, you know, saying, you know, and connecting uh, to us. And we had a funny situation happen where um, my daughter just had her bat mitzvah in August. And it was uh, during the torrential rains at ranch camp. And we were just hoping and praying that the weather would be good enough because the whole weekend was outdoor time. And we're driving. It's raining. It's thundering and we cross over a hill almost at ranch camp and there's that sky with all the rays of light mm-hmm. and we all looked at each other like yep my mom's here she cleared up the weather and literally the weekend was gorgeous and those are the little miracles that I just love being aware of and and having the opportunity to experience um, yeah that's great well and you mentioned a uh, Kobe and You've written some of our teachings about Kobe and referred to finding the light in darkness. And especially in this time of the world, what's going on with so much darkness. Please share with us your experience and your thoughts about finding light in darkness. Thank you. Um, you Kobe and I took Kabbalah classes together Um, when he first was diagnosed. He couldn't go back to school full time. And, but he loved doing Jewish learning. So that's how we ended up here at the Kabbalah experience. 
and this idea of light and darkness, um, the light that streams into a prison cell uh, for the biblical story of Joseph, right, or the narrative of Hurricane Reuben Carter, who also was imprisoned but needed to find light in order to have a reason to live. Um, this was something that Kobe really glommed onto. Um, he became, you know, kind of stuck in his head. He had a brain tumor, and so he always strove to find the light in darkness, um, and that became his kind of rallying cry. So, again, it's the same thing. Last night I saw the clouds with a crack of light coming through um, and recognizing that we can't have one without the other. I believe in a non-duality of creation, um, and there's a blessing that we say as part of our daily liturgy in the Jewish tradition that says, you know, God is a creator of light, <clears throat> creator of darkness, creator of water, and creator of everything else, right? It's not that there's one God that does good and light and health, and there's another one that does illness and pain and darkness. Right? It all comes from that same place. It all comes from that same source of energy and creation, so how do we um, how do we come to terms with the fact that there, it's a both end situation? <clears throat> Excuse me. This um this opportunity right to be human beings who are living, which we really didn't do anything to deserve. We just became alive, um, but we have a choice in our day to day of even in the chaos of the world, are there glimmers of light? Are there? How do we see the light in the shadows and vice versa? Yeah. And, you know, what are your insights, an interesting term as we talk about vision, um, with especially all the, the chaos of the world, what's going on in the Middle East and with Israel and, and um, how do you help people start, again, looking for light and darkness? Because there's been many, many days and, and hours of all we see is darkness or feel darkness or, um, you know, the lights don't be, seem to be shining. Again, you know, what are the steps that we can take to start looking for light? For me, I find light in connection. And going back to an old Mr. Rogers statement about, you know, looking for the helpers in the world, that what and I'm not Pollyanna-ish at all, but the idea that when we find connection, when we can find purpose or meaning or um, community in crisis, perhaps that's a place that light can come out of it. Um, when we look at the people that are choosing to get married while they're serving in the war or babies that are being born, um, and that there is life, that there is hope, right? As long as we have hope. There could be some light in in what we're seeing in the world around us. Hope. That's that's the big word, hope, and mm -hmm. and it's what we create. And I, I think a lot of people don't see the power of creating intentions and, and creating that hope. And um, you know, when I started taking Kabbalah, it's been probably I don't know eight years or so, on and off. It, it was so in line with what I had been studying uh, in my own spirituality through a number of ways, uh, from yoga to other courseworks. And, um, and it was all about creating intentions and living into the intentions and, 
And um, that's so important now because we can create our own light. Uh, I remember when my daughter was in um, college and it was she was in the northwest uh, in Syracuse. It was always gloomy and dark and snowy and and she just couldn't find herself. And she finally one day was walking and found this little garden. This is in Syracuse that had a few planters. And that was her light. She could go see the rose. And, you know, it just comes from all different places. We don't know where it comes from. And and again, I think it comes back to being aware, being open. And and uh, you don't always look for it. It sometimes shows up as long as we're open to seeing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Which, um, I also, I went to, you know, as you mentioned, I went to college in Binghamton and was dreary all year round. Um, and that's kind of why I moved west. <laughs> I needed more sunshine <laughs> in my life. Uh, I get to find that. in upstate New York. <laughs> that's right. Um, no, that is right. And, and again, um, it was a lesson for me to, to be aware and get my head out of the books kind of thing, you know, and, and just be open and, and being in nature, nature is where I often will find insights and light and, and just, you know, beautiful things that just move me into another, another place in my mind and in my body. Sometimes we get stuck walking with blinders on. You know, we're just looking at the the trail in front of us and taking one step at a time. But what happens when we can look up, when we could see a leaf or a tree or a bird or something unexpected around us? That's right. Do you think um, being in nature wakes us up uh, in our awareness? Great. Well, Melanie, we're going to take a quick break here for just a couple minutes. And when we come back, we'll be... Uh, speaking to you more about Kabbalah insights and um, and Kabbalah experience. So hang on, we'll be right back. Dr. Lynn will be right back after this. Can your child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity, enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 tips to improve your sports performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com.
Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hi, everyone. We've been talking to Melanie Grunewald, who's the Executive Director of Kabbalah Experience. And we've been exploring Kabbalah insights and philosophies. And, um, you know, I love Kabbalah and I love this work because for me, it's the time that I can sit back and start noticing and be aware and get my head out of the sand and and just look beyond. I mean, that's the nature of my work, vision beyond sight. And Kabbalah has been there to really supply some great courses, which we'll talk about in just a, a couple minutes, uh, to explore. It's really about exploration of more than even content. Um, so let's move forward and talk about some other concepts that we discuss in Kabbalah learning. And there's a concept called holding opposites. And I'll let you explain that and give some examples of that, holding opposites. Thank you. We use the language of holding opposites in one of our courses where we do a deep dive into the tree of life or the spherot. So visually, um, the tree of life is a like a tree, kind of organic-looking pillar of 10 circles. Um, it has three vertical axes, and the left is connected to the finite and feminine energy. The right side of the circles are connected to the infinite and masculine energy. And again, from that concept of non-duality, that we hold everything, right? It's not that men are one way and women are another way. We're all on the spectrum of energy and energy flow all the time. The question is, are we paying attention to that energy flow? Or are we stuck somewhere in our in our with our head in the sand, as he said. So the idea of holding opposites is pulling in the left and right vertical axes to connection. So for example, on one side, you'll have hesed, which is expanding loving kindness, expansive loving kindness. And it sounds great, right? Because we want to give and give and give, but I picture that as our right hand giving out. But even giving and hesed and expansive loving kindness without boundaries could be dangerous. It's like the cobbler whose kids don't have any shoes, right? Mm-hmm. But then the left side is Gavora, where we're setting boundaries. Right? We're pulling back in with our left hand and saying, you know, sometimes I need to set up some boundaries for myself. What happens if I sign up for every meal train but I never have time to feed my own family? What happens if I'm always hosting and I never have any quiet time, right? The introvert that needs a little time um, back at home, Um so even as an example, um, in 2015, I was training for the New York Marathon, and the expansiveness is, I want to train, I want to run, I want to do everything all the time that's about the marathon. The left side is, yeah, and I also have a family and a full-time job, and you can't be running all the time because you're going to end up injured, right? So the, that center circle between Hesed and Gavura is Tiferet, which is what we often refer to as our connected to our solar plexus or our gut, right? The integration of the right and the left and finding this balance. And life isn't just one or the other, right? We always have to find a way to strive to achieve balance and to hold opposites. Um, When Kobe was dying, it was about hope and grief, right? We carried both all the time. Um, There's also a Jewish tradition of um, Rabbi Simcha Bonham says, you should carry two notes in your pocket. One in one side say, I was created for I'm created from ashes and dust, 
And the other side is the world was created for me, right? As we walk through the world, we should always be holding these two notes and these two awarenesses to help us maintain balance in our journeys. That's such an important concept. And it's so interesting because this past week, I've had a number of conversations about myself and others on, you know, giving, 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 and how do you manage it? And it's often we talk about we don't have boundaries and just just falling over on one side becomes a problem because what if you give 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 and people don't want to accept or change or or they're not learning to be able to be self-sufficient and you know and the work is really not just for the person you're trying to give to but for yourself for myself as you know how do i give in a way that's truly helpful not just way too much and, and boundaries is an area, you know, at least for myself, that's always a challenge. Um, it's always a challenge when you talked about the grief and hope and you're balancing that. When do you decide to let go of one or the other, or do you ever let go of it and just life happens? I don't think you let go. I think you hold it all. Um, it's always, I feel like our bodies, our souls kind of become this container that it all becomes integrated into. We can't um, let go of one or the other. I know when Kobe was diagnosed, uh, one of our friends is an anesthesiologist at Children's, so he used to kind of come through the back end with us when Kobe was going into surgery. And we said, you know, what do we hope for now? He goes, you just hope for different things, right? Yeah. We, don't, we didn't imagine college and adulthood anymore. We had to let go of that dream, but we hope for quality of life and, you know, his laughter and his joy and, you know, as we can adjust our own realities um, and really think about what we can manage, what we can expect, I think hope becomes something we can hang on to rather than feel like we live without. And, and as you speak uh, those beautiful words, Melanie, I mean, it, it makes me think about the difference between being and doing. The hope is a way of being. It's not a specific goal and getting this done or or being able to finish the marathon versus, um, you know, being your best and giving your efforts. And and I think, I don't know why that came up. It's just as you were speaking about, um, Obi, it was really about your hope can be still hope and thank you, but it doesn't have the specific goal or the end goal of a finite decision that you're making necessarily. Just right. And even, you know, when we think about the situation in Israel, um, you know, there's very little we can do except hope from the side of the ocean. Um, you know, and we have different ways of manifesting that. A guy came into our office yesterday and said, hey, you know, do you guys know how to make an amulet? No, <laughs> like, you know, and he's like, well, I want to, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I read about it and I, was told I have to write it on deer parchment. So I got some deer hide, but I have to know which angels to invoke. And, you know, we said, well, what are you hoping for? And he said, you know, peace in the Middle East and the release of the hostages. And, you know, we all have a different way of doing it, right? Some people will, um, you know, burn incense and meditate on it. And some people will write an amulet on deer parchment. And um, some people will pray alone and some people will pray in community. And we just do the best we can with what we have in order to manifest what we want to see in this world. Yeah, it's about manifesting what we create, which is yeah. 
Yeah, great. So that, that leads into the discussion of how we live our lives in this world. And so often, you know, we live our lives through masks, which happens to be another uh, concept of Kabbalah. So so share about the mask. What are masks? What are some of our masks? And what purpose do they serve or not? So in Kabbalah, we talk about masks as a framing for the multiplicity of our identities. Right? There are some masks that we're born with, our body type, our skin color. Um, there are masks that are given to us, like our name or our family of origin. Um, and then there are masks we choose for ourselves, like our jobs and our careers and our passions and interests. Um, and we choose, do I want to be an athlete or an artist or a scientist? Um, having 16-year-old twins right now, you know, a lot is going into our conversations about college and who do they want to be in this world. Um, and sometimes our masks limit us, right, especially if you think about younger children who are going through the school system and they're being told, you're good at this, you're not good at that, you're smart, you're a bully, you're stupid, you're great at art, you're not great at art. Um, these become forming formative comments on who they are as a person. And what happens when we become limited by the masks that are put on us or the masks that we put on ourselves? So coming back to this idea of awareness, at Kabbalah Experience, we often say, what are your masks, right? I'm a mother, I'm an aunt, I'm a professional, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a teacher. Um, but what masks serve us and what masks don't serve us? And if we have the awareness of the masks, can we relinquish the masks that no longer serve us or can we shift them? One of our taglines of that course is, are you wearing the mask or is the mask wearing you? Right? Can you have an identity when you shed that mask? Um, if someone retires from being a doctor, do they still want to be called doctor? Right? But then they become a chef and a musician and a world traveler. Like, do they want those labels, those masks to be their identity instead? Um, so it's a matter of how do we show up in the world? How do we choose to show up in the world? And also knowing that we are empowered to make those choices if we have the awareness of what masks are we wearing. So that begs the question of who am I? You know, and, and so often if some if I said, Melanie, who are you? Again, you could answer with all your masks, and you did. I'm a mother, I'm a female, I'm a daughter, I'm a teacher. But who are you really? If you shed your mask, do you ever shed your mask? Who are you underneath those masks? And the, the way we teach it is it's like, the layers of an onion, right? Where it's masks all the way down, right? We eventually get to soul awareness, but even as we as we embody our soul, that's a mask as well, right? This is who I am at my core essence. That's a mask. So it's it's masks all the way down. The question is, do we get to that awareness of our true self? When you say true self, you're referring to soul. An yeah. So like, I mean, what we teach here at Kabbalah Experience is in the beginning, right, from the biblical story of creation, in the beginning, God created light, right? And that light, that or, is the energy that's manifested, that primordial energy that's infested in, in all of us, in all of creation, that light that you look at when you look in somebody else's eyes. Um, when you 
see, again, a moment of synchronicity or manifest a moment of awareness of that light in the darkness. And that light is what's all the way down. But even the way we we can't ever be that light energy without our mask of our body. Yeah. Um, it could be a question about what happens in the next life. You know, after we shed our physicality, is there this light energy? But then is that com- that's completely unmasked? And then how do we relate to that? Such an interesting concept. I attended a workshop this week, and um, it was about humanity. It actually was about climate restoration, and the climatologist is strongly suggesting that even though we have the tools and it's not that expensive to take care of our climate around the world, it's such a hot topic and political. He feels the only way that we will ever reach that is through humanity. And he teaches courses on I am humanity, whatever that means to you. And the biggest thing was I am humanity is inclusive of everything, everybody, everything around the world. And if we all truly get to that point, not being, you know, obnoxious that I am humanity, like I'm better than you, that already takes you out of humanity. And um, and it means including everything and everybody, which is so hard. And I think it comes down to be able to hold opposites, whether it's political, um, Personal, emotional, being able to hold the opposites is what humanity becomes. What is your thought about that? Yeah. Right. And and also right, that idea that if we all are created from the same source, right, whatever our narrative is, um, that's that one light energy that connects us all. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Borders are man-made, right? Birds fly over borders. They don't know that they're crossing from one city or state or country to another, Right? It's just it just is right. So how do we look beyond the borders that separate us, the boundaries that separate us, um, whether it's race, class, gender, geography, religion? Um, I just actually started teaching a new class yesterday on the new human narrative, and we started with Iroquois and Inuit myths and looking at them compared to the mythology of the Bible. Right? And we have similarities and differences in all our stories, but we're all just trying to answer the same essential questions of where do we come from and how did this all begin? And somehow these different cultural experiences and religious experiences come up with similar tales about the gods and the goddesses and the stories of creation and the water. It's just limited to our experience of either an agricultural society or a hunting and or a fishing society. So the question really comes of what what is that primordial that primordial <clears throat> connection individual the place of beginning of oneness and how did we lose that sense how did we start fighting over our narratives to say i'm absolutely right and you're absolutely wrong and there's no shades of gray or right. understanding i think we transcend that in our world yeah you know, it's so interesting because from my own different perspective, vision beyond sight is the inquiry that I've been in for all of my professional life. Sure, I can I can measure how you see physically. I can help treat those things, teach you to track, teach the brain, yet there's still more both inside and out. And so, like you said, all the different stories have 
commonalities, little differences, but we seem to still be looking in the same direction uh, yeah. beyond, beyond. Right. And even when we're looking at going back to your first question of the seen and unseen reality, right? Our bodies are just a vessel for that energy, light, soul, you know, whatever you name it. Um, and the question is, can we look beyond our physicality to see our connection of humanity? Yeah. Well, that's really beautiful. Um, I want to take a little bit of time, give you some time to tell us more about the courses and, and the kinds of um, opportunities people would have at the Kabbalah experience. So if you want to explain a little bit about some of your courses, that'd be great. Great, thanks. Um, so Kabbalah Experience was founded 19 years ago in Denver, Colorado, but now we're a worldwide organization because we are able to offer all of our classes on Zoom. Um, our year one classes are called Soul, Space, and Time. So a lot of the concepts we spoke about today about seen and unseen reality, we would find in your level one soul class. Uh, space, we study the tree of life and the spherot and the energies that we use with awareness to manifest from the infinite to the finite and the finite to the infinite. And then our time class focuses on living in the present moment. Um, how do we live more mindfully in the now? Our second year series, we look at who are you, why are you, and when are you. So again, going back to the concept of masks, and if we understand our masks, then we can choose with awareness which ones we're wearing, which ones we're not wearing, which ones we might want to let go of that are no longer serving us. And then our metaphors, which are the narratives behind our masks. What are the stories that put us into this position of the, the masking um, stories of our family or our culture or society that defined us and limited us into our masks. And the when are you again is how do we use our narratives and our awareness of our narratives to live more mindfully in the present moment. So that second year is really about our personal awareness and journey. Our third year we go into the human narrative and looking on a more macro level of what are the stories that we've always assumed as truth with a capital T what's influenced those stories over the past 10,000 years and coming into the idea of narrative. And if we have awareness of narrative, we can shift narrative so that we can live more mindfully and create a more social, socially equitable and justice society. And then our fourth year, we go back into the tree of life, um, starting from the bottom to the top and practice what we call awareness practices, transformative Kabbalah awareness practices, so that we can live more mindfully. And that's really where we do a deep dive into the core of awareness and this concept of holding opposites. So it comes back again to that personal journey of how am I living and what choices do I have in manifesting the life that I want to live. And we always say Kabbalah isn't a, we don't have a religious agenda. It's really a spiritual agenda of living with greater awareness and connection to the people and the world around us. Well, thank you so much for the summary, and I want to make sure everybody um, checks you out, give the website uh, that they can find more information about the classes, and you are one of the main instructors as well. Thank you. Yeah, our website is kabbalahexperience.com, so it's two B's and one L, K-A-B-B-A-L-A-H, experience.com. Um, we also have a pretty active social media presence at Kabbalah EXP. And our classes are just starting, but we definitely have room for new students. 
and we would love to help welcome you to the community. I think something that makes Kabbalah Experience different than other organizations is our small classes, the personal attention that students get, and we really do take pride in the micro-communities that are formed through the students' hands-on personal experience here. Melanie, I want to thank you so very much. I'm honored that you came on, and, and thanks for your inspiration, words of wisdom. And having experienced a number of classes already, uh, I can attest to um, the inspiration and, and then the, the thinking, and as well as the meeting and community of people of like minds and different minds. And it's just been wonderful. So thanks so much for being on Vision Beyond Sight. And um, I appreciate you coming. Anybody who has uh, questions, uh, we'll have the Kabbalah Experience information and connection in our show notes. So uh, thanks uh, again for everything, and we'll see you all real soon. Thank you so much. I love speaking with you today. Thanks for this opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.